which which is a big ask. It's it's something new. It's a new realm to go to. But I don't think until you put yourself out there that you can really know what's possible. Welcome to or welcome back to a Runner's Life podcast. You were just listening to a snippet of the conversation with today's guest, Dougie Musson. So to give you a little bit of a background, way back when Dougie was a part of the Essex athlete program and I met him as an Essex front runner. And it was really interesting to see the kind of the worlds collide between these upcoming elite runners and the wider running community. And I think both groups definitely complemented each other. So a lot has happened since those early days. And at the moment, Dougie is working full time, but still training as an elite athlete. He focused mainly on the middle distance events from like 3000 meters, 3000 meters steeplechase. And he's now transitioned into the marathon distance. He was one of the paces for the Great Britain Marathon Trials uh, this year. He is training for the London Marathon and will take part in the elite men's race. It's a really cool conversation. And I know you're going to say I'm biased for saying that, but we really touch upon how he kind of reframed his focus and change of direction, really. So I think that's a really cool lesson that we talk about. We talk about the lessons that he's reflected on from his first marathon and to really sort of dive into his mindset. It's a really interesting conversation and I know that you'll find a lot of value from this. Thank you for everyone that's listened to the last episode. There was a little bit of a delay between episode 104 with Tina and this one with Dougie the reason is I've been working on a couple of exciting new projects so stay tuned particularly if you're training for one of the world marathon majors London Boston and Berlin so check out my Instagram page at the marathon Marcus and also refer back to at a runner's life underscore podcast for updates also I know I'm going to sound like a broken record but seriously when you share with your community it really does mean a lot to me and the podcast helps other people see it and it helps the podcast grow and it helps me deliver more quality content for yourself so if you found value in this podcast share it rate and subscribe big shout out to tracksmith for supporting this episode they've currently brought out the marathon majors kit across the six races I've been sporting the London Marathon kit. I'm really liking the singlet. It's so creative, it's so unique. And I've got a lot of positive feedback on my run today and a lot of good comments as well on my social media profile. So if you wanna see what it looks like, check out my posts or alternatively, go to the Tracksmith site and have a look for yourself. Also, I wanna thank my patrons and the people that support the show. But with that being said, let's head to the conversation with Dougie. Hi, Dougie. Welcome to a Runner's Life podcast. How are you getting on, mate? I'm good, thanks, Marcus. How about yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. It's great to actually catch up with you again. It's been a little while since Essex Front Runner days, and I'm really excited to talk with you today, mate. Yeah, likewise. Obviously, thank you for the opportunity. No, no, it's, it's all good, man. So this podcast is called A Runner's Life. What does A Runner's Life mean to you? My life. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, I've been doing running for, uh, I don't know what, 12, 12 to 15 years now or so, since I, was, since I was very young. So for me, A Runner's Life is, yeah, it's just what I've grown up doing and, and knowing. Um I guess as I've got older, I've understood it more. Uh, so I think 
it's dedication, it's pure enjoyment, and no matter where you are on the on the kind of trajectory of things, if you're on a competitive side or if you're just doing it for the pure enjoyment of all the kind of the recreational side of things, it's it's just kind of getting out there and going with whatever your body feels like for that day or whatever your mind feels like for that day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess when I asked you that question, I, I was listening to you replay it back, and I was like, actually, it's quite an unfair question because, you like you said, it's just like, it's it's my life that I've known, so I don't really know anything else. But I guess it's kind of interesting to kind of know those those things, but it's a great answer. It is a, it is a perfect answer. It is your definition of a runner's life. It's your life. Yeah. It'd be, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, everyone does sport. Well, a lot of people do sport growing up, and uh, running has been mine since I was probably about, eight or nine years old maybe a little bit yeah quite a while focusing on sport and running and things like that as an athlete you know you can be not you personally but athletes can be quite sort of tunnel visioned focused to what they need to do since you got married last year how has running kind of changed your mentality to kind of this is my focus but then obviously I've got a world outside of that that I've got to maintain as well yeah um I mean that's a great question and I've definitely suffered with that tunnel vision. Uh, and I guess alongside tunnel vision is that identity that comes with being a runner. I guess for me, it was just understanding kind of the bigger picture of things and, and where things sit. And you get to a point in your life where you have to make bigger decisions, career decisions, life decisions, getting married. So it's it's you have to be committed to, to the sport and to what you do, but then you realise that there are other things that you are just as committed to, if not more. Yeah, last year, getting married was one of the biggest things. Alongside getting a puppy, that both that just changed my my outlook on what running is. At the end of the day, it's, it's a hobby, it's a pursuit. Um, no matter how good you are, whether you're earning through a career or whatever, at the end of the day, it's, it's running around in circles or it's running around a road. So there are other things that... that take precedence you know yeah definitely and I kind of don't want to make it seem that that tunnel vision is a bad thing because mm-hmm. we we were speaking before about the Johnny uh, Wilkinson podcast on the high performance mm-hmm. podcast and he was talking about what you know what's required of him to perform at the highest level so sometimes it is required and you can't and you know you know the whole nation isn't going to be like oh it's bad you know you should you should do this because you know he's doing well professionally mm-hmm. so it's a kind of it's a tough balance isn't it to get that kind of right between being all in but also like you said just knowing to be mindful of your partners and just being able to sort of separate the two and have some sort of context of of you outside of running have an identity outside of running yeah definitely and I I think it changes I think it you go through bouts where like you say you have to go all in um and sometimes that's leading up to a, a big race or maybe your first race or whatever it might be but then there's other times where I've uh, I've gone into big races where I've actually been able to I guess check out a little bit and have a little bit more downtime, and um, both times equally I've I've either performed well or not as well. Regardless, I think it's it's more the for me at least it's more the anxiety that you put on yourself or that kind of pressure that you put on yourself to being tunnel visioned that can do more harm than good. Um, I think it's. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I've felt about it, at least. That's sort of interesting, sort of talking about the mindset of, you know, getting into a race. And sometimes, like you said, 
you can be into it, but then sometimes not that you're not into it, but the mind can kind of go where it's going. So just focusing on kind of racing and the mental aspect, like the idea of like flicking the switch. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a process of what that looks like for you between being regular Dougie and kind of I'm ready, I'm here to race? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes and no. One of the funniest examples is when I was a lot younger than I was now, I was gearing up for, I, I got the opportunity to represent England and uh, a cross-country race. No doubt it was the biggest race that I got into at that point. Two days before, my obviously now wife had booked us to go and see Drake over in Birmingham. Um, and I was probably only about 16, 17 at the time. And my parents were not happy about the fact that about 24 hours before, I was getting the train over to Birmingham to watch Drake until about 11 o'clock at night and get the train back. And they're like, well, you know, you, like, you've got this big race and focus on it. But it didn't do anything at all. I ended up winning the race. I had like my best performance there. And for me, it was just that, like, this is something that I want to go and do. That was a big turning point, I think, to to have a look at the way you approach races. And since then, I've done both kind of really focused the week of a race. And I've kind of, like, thought about nothing but the race and trying to get everything inch perfect. And it's gone absolutely like a disaster when it comes to race day. And then other times, you've just relaxed. So... It, it's hard to get right. You've got to hone it over a long period of time. And the only way to do that is, is to, to just test and just to see more than anything. For me, it's I guess it's about assessing where I'm at mentally. How how do I feel if like maybe a week to five days out? Do I feel like I do need to really switch into that mindset and focus? Or am I do I have that level of confidence where I can allow myself to relax a little bit? Normally, if I find myself fixating on something about a week out, I kind of say to myself, like, no, you need to check out now. You need to just be confident in what you've done and just relax more than anything. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like you said, there's so many approaches to approaching a race. And sometimes, like you said, if you go into a race, like too much mental energy going into it it can go the other way and sometimes like you said with the drake thing like not like you're saying that you need to go to a drake concert to relax and be the best frame of mind but sometimes doing these things actually relaxes you and actually gets you in that place to to run your best race you've got to have like different tools in your toolbox for the, what the that situation requires yeah and and you, you never know um not only what tool you might need but you, you might not even have the tool in the first place you know you, we always come across stumbling blocks no matter what it is. Most recently, the pandemic, people have had to pivot like never before, whether it's work, whether it's racing, whether it's athletics, running, whatever it is. Um, they've had to realise that it's not always it's not always going to be straightforward. And yeah, it, it's not until you, you're in that position that I guess you find out what you need to do and obviously hope that it's the right thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's a great point about, yeah, sometimes you might not have the tool. There might not be a tool available. And I think, especially as runners, we can appreciate that sometimes you can do all the things right and get to the race and not get the result that you wanted. And you have to kind of reflect on it and not be too hard on yourself, I think. Yeah, hindsight is is the most, I think hindsight for me is the most valuable tool. And I've learned that as I've got older. It's not until you can, you get to a certain point that you, can look back retrospectively and think I handled that well I didn't handle that well but I now know 
moving forward, you know, and that's where you start to gain the tools, I guess. I guess that comes into the the perception or that person's perception of like I guess like absolutes like black and white failure winning and being able to be fluid between those those sort of those 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 areas I think yeah yeah definitely um yeah <laughs> I mean it'd be good if we could just work off uh, binaries like that but yeah. It's never the case. Um, it's a grey area, isn't it, that catches out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agreed. So we've spoken a little bit about you know, what a runner's life means and a little bit about mindset, but you're more than just a runner. Uh, can you sort of share anything about yourself that is non-running related, like a passion or that you enjoy to do? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we were just talking about kind of like this, this last year, it kind of really gives you a chance to, to look inward, I guess, and uh, give you a chance to, to have a think about where you're at currently um, in life and in what you're doing. For me, I've found out more than ever that I'm a massive fan of creativity. Um, so expressing myself, and that's normally through photography. Um, I've dabbed my hand in a bit of videography at times. My job is in marketing, so I'm lucky that I get to be creative in that sense. But yeah, creativity is probably the biggest thing that that I just love to do and love to really focus on and the whole creative process. And I guess I've, I've more, learned more recently that I guess that's kind of similar to running in the sense of there's obviously the beautiful Prefontaine quote where he talks about running as a piece of art. And um, it's not until you actually, I guess, think about running in so many different ways, you're able to, I guess, understand that it is a form of expression. So all runners, in a sense, are creative in some way. I really like that, that in, the, the, the sort of framing about the, the creativity side. I think I go into it, but then I also want to talk about the pre-reference because it's obviously uh, an influence to you, but I'm always sort of curious when people mention it because, you know, he had a relatively obviously short career and get, didn't mm-hmm. get to achieve what, you know, people think he could have done. So uh, why is he kind of like a, an influence to you? Uh, I think, I mean, watch anybody, watch the film Without Limits and uh, <laughs> you'll understand a bit more but um i think with pre in general it's the he's he's an enigma um you not only know you don't know what you're gonna get on the day um he was known for obviously being incredibly successful but also quite volatile at times and quite mad in terms of when he's run with injured foot things like that always wanted to lead so i think what resonates with me what resonates with him about uh, with me sorry is um it's that you're willing to put everything on the line I definitely think that I mean I wear my heart on the sleeve pretty much kind of throughout life it's just the type of person that I am uh, and I'm the same when I'm running as well I have got to a point where I kind of beat myself up if I have a bad race or I think the world is a beautiful place if if, if I've got a PB um so I have gone through those sort of things and I think the same is with Pre. he it's all about wearing your heart on your sleeve you you just run an honest race you run a beautiful race Kipchoge's obviously started to, to coin that phrase quite a lot and, it, and it's very similar you just try and yeah I guess just wear your heart on your sleeve go out there put the best performance on that you can do make it a bit of a show if you can and at the end of the day when you walk off you might be a bit unhappy with yourself and you might beat yourself up but I think when you look back 
at whatever point you retire or whatever point you step back from competitively running, you'll be happy with whatever you achieved or whatever you did. So just focusing on that last point there, when all is kind of said and done and you look back at your running career, what would you have liked to have achieved? <laughs> I'd love to achieve uh, what I would still like to achieve. Um, I guess more international possibilities to be able to travel and do the sport that I do would be even would be the cherry on top for what I've achieved so far. Uh, I owe a hell of a lot to the to the sport. Not only is it been, I guess, my life since I was about eight or nine years old. It's where I met my wife. It's where my job now lies in in career wise. And I work for a running company, so it has literally consumed everything that that I do and that I am, and, and it is the area I guess of the most expertise that I have is running, running shoes, everything related. So, yeah, that's, I think I'll, I'll never be disappointed, but just continue. And I, I guess moving forward, I'd like to give back more to the sport just because of how much it's given me. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to take a step back. So for the listeners or the viewers, they we actually knew each other from ASICS days. And obviously you were part mm-hmm. of the athletes program and I joined as one of the front-run ambassadors. And obviously then we joined and we merged together. And obviously there's a meeting of the two worlds. So I'll give you my sort of interpretation of it. It'll be good to get your interpretation for it as well. So honestly, like seeing you guys expanded my frame of reference. So the running that I'm doing now and moved on towards, you know, is definitely inspired by seeing you guys because sometimes you can see people that you think are at a certain level or, you know, they've got something extra. I'm not saying you haven't got talent, but you just see that they're regular people. So I'm like... Doug is just a regular guy, obviously with talent, but he's working hard. He's doing this. He's going to bed at this time. He's doing that. It's not rocket science. So if he can do that, then I can be my best. So for me, like that was one of the things I got from from you guys. So thank you for that. But I mean, what was your kind of interpretation of meeting that kind of world between you guys that are going to try to further your athletics career and then you're kind of meeting, I guess, the wider running community? Yeah, that's a great question. And it wasn't until, I guess, really that point that that had really happened for me because you kind of come up to the club system and you focus on, well, you interact, like you say, more with the elite side of things. And you don't necessarily see the, the recreational. I mean, I've been to park runs, but I'd be one of those guys that turns to park run as if it's a race and uh, I'd be using it as like a training session. But I think not only from, from that, but since then, working now, and then directly communicating to the, the, the recreational runner or the people that just love doing it. it. It's all about changing that frame of reference, like you said, but in the alternative way. So realising that it's it's not all about running. You know, there are other things that exist in life, whether that's just like moving on with your life in terms of relationships, in terms of career, in terms of how you approach it, different distances as well. There's always a, always a different one. I remember there's quite a few guys on, the, on that sort of programme and on the team as well that were upwards of marathon and I, I used to think this, yeah, everything stopped at a marathon I didn't realize that there was this whole world beyond but that's changed my scope now and things like that don't I mean they're daunting but they don't seem unachievable you think okay well I would love to give an ultra a go one day I mean I love running around the, the trails that we have here in, in Birmingham and I would love to do that I don't know whether it's in the Alps or whether it's up in the Lake District down south I know there's some big races trail races down there so yeah, I mean, it, it changes, I guess it changes the frame of reference in the, the alternative direction. 
and you realise that not only is there more to life, but there's also more to running. There's community, there's friendships, there's a whole different world. Absolutely. I guess I'm trying to think what was the frame of reference in terms of what was it? Was there a lesson and yes, been able to be like, yep, this is important, but like being able to sort of see the other side of running, was there any particular thing that you saw from not just the front runner days, but anything else that you thought, ah? Oh. Yeah, I guess it's, I guess at the end of the day, the effort is still the same, regardless of, I, I always kind of toy with a funny idea that obviously Kipchoge's running two hours, four most recently for the marathon. Is he spending, expending more energy than somebody that's running four and a half hours? You know, I mean, they're on their feet for a lot longer than he is. He's an incredibly efficient runner. Yes, he trains and has a cardiovascular system that is the best in the world. But at the same time, the distance is the same. The effort is arguably greater by someone that's running four and a half hours because not only have they not had that conditioning over a lifetime of running, and and this is, I guess the other thing as well is realising what people are doing it for, bigger causes than just chasing after a personal best, so whether it's the loss of a loved one and therefore wanting to run for charity, whether it's just to say that you've achieved it, maybe you've gone through dramatic weight loss and you think, I want to try and run a 5K. It's, I think it's not until, I think every elite runner that finishes within a certain time frame should go back to the finish line after maybe 15, 20 minutes and take a look at everybody that's finishing at that point. And it wasn't until I guess I've been involved in some more of the bigger road races Brighton 10k uh, I watched the marathon when that came through after we'd finished the Great South Run being part of that you see the reason that people are doing it and I mean even now it's kind of giving me shivers because you realise that it's not about time it's this is a life achievement for some people it's not necessarily a life achievement for me to try and just run a personal best of course I try and run as hard as I can but there is something different. These are the type of people that could put their running issues away after that and have ticked that box in their life and just move on. You know, and there is something incredibly admirable about that. That is a great point, actually. Like you said, like being able to do it and be like tick it and be like walk away. Like you said, but it's it's it's, it's slightly envious because I guess because I've chased after it for so long and we we're talking about the identity sort of thing, you, you keep going and there's always this, what, what's going to be next? What's the next race? What's the next race? Where can I go and get a PB? I'll go to a flatter and faster course. Instead of being able to just say, no, I'm happy with that. That'll do. I'll take up something else. So I'll go to the next thing, you know? Yeah. And I remember speaking as well back with Luke Gunn, who obviously was a former athlete and your coach. Is he still your coach? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Can you kind of share any kind of key running principles that you've learned from him? Ooh, he was listening in as well now, so I've got to get it right. Um, I, th- I think patience, and he will always say that he learned that from uh, his coach, uh, which, which is Bud Bodara. Between the two of them, that's that's their catchphrase, is patience. And I guess not only is that in races, staying patient until you know you can sustain your effort to the end, whether that's just in life or whether that's in training, not being afraid to take your foot off the gas and have some downtime or kind of be content with where you're at at the moment and know that you don't have to break records every training session or every week, try and hit 
a five extra miles or a few extra kilometers, whatever it might be. If you stay consistent and are patient, then the things that you want will come to you with those two, those two things. I think that's the biggest thing that I've known from him. That and his famous quote to me, which was, whenever it's raining, always wear a running hat because it just keeps the uh, rain out of your eyes. They're the two things. And I'll never let him live that down because it's, it's the best bit of advice they were given. <laughs> it's true, then. it's practical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that was one of the things is little bits of advice like that. You never realise when you're at a younger age that there's reasons for it. And uh, I think I always joke, but that was that little bit of advice was the catalyst for so many more things because I, I fully believe that when you first told me. and was like, yeah, this makes sense. It was kind of everything after that completely trusted him and uh, he still do you know he's uh yeah his judgment is um important and, and he's right 99 of the time so like how do you kind of like have you learned to kind of balance that idea of patience and sort of trusting the process which almost seems like a cliche type phrase yeah i think i think with any with, with any good coach or any coach that you interact with you it, it takes time obviously it takes time it takes test it takes testing you have to see what works for both of you and and funnily enough both myself and luke have, have had chats most recently about kind of changing the way we do things he went from coaching me when i was in university and had all the time in the world around lectures to to train pretty much full-time to now being um a working man that has to kind of fall into the nine to five constraints so training to the same degree is, is difficult so I have to be more diligent going out early in the morning so we, we've, we've changed things up in that sense so I guess it's always adapting and it's always just yeah kind of I don't know it's kind of testing things and, and just seeing in that way and having constant communication I think communication is obviously so important to just have that feedback and see how things are constantly going absolutely and something you said there kind of made me think like you said when you're at university not that you won't do anything by training but there's a lot of focus on training there mm. and then like you said you come into the world of work and you're nine to five but still training how are you kind of managing that kind of juxtaposition between sort of the training and I, I guess like I guess because obviously training is fine but it's just the recovery side as well like how mm. are you sort of getting that kind of that part of the equation right yeah um again again it takes time it takes as of anything the transition period um i when i moved to my current job uh, which is where i had more of an office structure i still tried to contr- uh, to train in the same vein that i was before hitting 18 80, 90 mile weeks without really thinking about what i was doing and i quickly kind of burnt myself out i got to probably about a month or two in and realized that just wasn't sustainable i was trying to do everything under the sun that i was doing the same before now i can fit the same amount of training in just prepping for the london marathon and the trials a few weeks back i was doing the biggest miles i've ever done and uh it was easier it was so much easier because it just took that switch in thinking about not only what you're doing what the point of the session is funnily enough it's got easier to do the longer distances as i guess as you've moved to full-time work you don't have to focus as much on speed all the time prepping for a marathon it's it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of a lot of running and you have to want it obviously you will have to want to get out of bed at five in the morning to then go for a run at six to then 
do an hour or hour and a half, come back, shower, then commute into work or run commute. Obviously, that's another thing. So there are things that you can do, but as with anything, it takes transition. You have to find what works for you, whether it's running before work, running on lunch, running after work. There's so many different ways of doing things now that you're bound to find one that, that works for you, you know? Yeah, planning and just being organised is essential. And I know you've spoken about the London Marathon, which I want to get on to, but I just want to <laughs> stay on this subject just a little bit longer in terms of just the kind of the mindset, really. So obviously people can look at you on Instagram and think, ah, oh, you know, it's easy for him. He's quick, whatever. Like, it's, it's just talent. You no, know, there's no hard work. But at the high level, everyone's got talent and everyone's working smart. I don't want to say working hard because I, th- I just don't think, that, I think you've got to work smart, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of share the moment that you realised in your career that your natural talent wasn't enough and you needed to combine it with working smarter? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that there was a specific moment. As with anything, it's, it's kind of a series of events more than anything. It probably wasn't until second year of the university that I, started to really focus on athletics and running to a, to a point of thinking, okay, well, this is, I kind of, I want to achieve some more lofty ambitions, such as running for England, running for GB, competing internationally, that sort of thing. Yeah, I guess, I, I don't know, actually. <laughs> it's kind of, um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I think though you did sort of dress it there before you, t- you said you know there's a series of little moments that happened it wasn't like one defining moment I think in terms of the way that, that I've approached things and knowing that when you can I guess take bigger steps is it's, it's that whole hindsight sort of thing again you know I think because I've got to a point where I've kind of focused on so many things and, and had like we've spoken about tunnel vision and I've really focused on things at points in my life to quite an unhealthy degree. And then there's been points where, I mean, most recently about 15 months ago or something, I was full on ready to to just not run anymore. I just did not enjoy it. I, that unhealthy way of running had got to a really bad point. I was kind of just confident, like, well, why am I doing this? I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not enjoying anything. And there was that whole identity crisis. But I think... So there's there's been things like that. There's been things like getting married. There's been things like, I think it's the wider context of life which has really defined and channeled where I go. Um, I moved coaches, obviously, to Luke. And that involved moving in with my now wife, my partner at the time. So, so it's things along the way. And, it, and like we say, it's not until you look back that you can start to connect all the dots. I know that that's, if everyone's ever watched the, Stanford commencement speech from Steve Jobs. He he will articulate it so much better than me. He talks about connecting the dots in your life, and that you can only do that uh, looking back and being retrospective. Yeah, it maybe need a little bit of time to sit sit down. And actually, that might be our plan this weekend. Sit down and actually work out, go back through things, and because I think that is a healthy thing to do is to be able to to actually look back and exercise that hindsight. You know. I was just interested to hear because you experienced it there. You said it's a period of your time, like 50 months ago, where you weren't enjoying running. Now, I'm not asking you to go through details and share it all, but like, how did you kind of work through that in terms of like being able to get to the stage where you are now to kind of 
enjoying competing again and you know taking part in the, the London Marathon for the Olympic trials one of the things for me that I realise is that it, and like you say I've gone through those hating moments and it's I think for me because it uncovers what you can achieve and it's and that can sometimes be a really scary thing for people for myself included you realise that there are some incredible things that you could knock on the door you're, you're knocking on the door of doing and achieving and that is incredibly powerful but also very scary at the same time so if you don't quite achieve them we always of course we always look back and think well I didn't achieve that but if you reframe that ever so slightly not, not even you don't even have to reframe it that much you can realize that that you know deep down that you are capable of that and I think that a lot of runners will think that throughout their career you know even even to the point of, of retiring or stepping away from things because you do always have that innate feeling of I can still do this I can still do this and obviously there'll be one day that it'll kind of it'll click so sorry jumping back to what you you were saying about um 15 months ago i think for me falling back in love with it meant just doing it you know kind of like we speak about when i whenever anyone steps away from the sport most of the time unless it's it's forced or injury or whatever they'll still have a passion for it they still might exercise they still might do it i have other hobbies for instead of other sports that I enjoy doing, cycling, just walking out in nature. So I think it was getting back to the to the real rawness of what I enjoyed about the sport, which was just going for a run. So I spent a lot of time trail running and getting away from the the, the kind of the tracking of things on, on splits or on uh, kind of like pace, anything like that, just getting out and enjoying, often running without my watch, not having any structure to things and I think it was that freedom that really allowed me to understand and get to a point of saying I, I do enjoy doing this and it's not that you it's not that you don't you just need to think about it differently and you just need to approach it in a way that you're happy with every single day you know so whether that means having a day off such as today I am um, I've got to run on my program to do but as we were talking before I think with everything having worked kind of lockdown and stuff and this last week um has been a bit of a pressure off with with my role so I've I've just felt tired I've just felt way too tired so I've kind of thought no my, my body's telling me that I need a rest so instead of saying like I've got to go out for a run let's, let's think exercise that patience exercise that consistency and that inner belief and that trust in the program to say it's okay like you get more for resting and you'll be able to get more out tomorrow because of that, or whatever it is, whether it's you adapt your session for a, an easy run or, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you yeah, so well said there, mate. And yeah, I think listening to yourself, listening to your body is so crucial. So though, thank you for sharing that. And for those that probably don't know you, you sort of mainly competed at the you know shorter distances before moving up to obviously we spoke about before so 1500s 3k you know 3000 meters uh steeplechase as well so can you kind of talk us through that process of sort of changing through the distances or working up to the marathon i know because you're part of the london marathon elite program as well so can you explain the nuances between changing that and the differences in mindset as well yeah so i think i think yeah when i was growing obviously I i came to the club system so 
you yeah. you are kept on the track and um the furthest distance you do in pretty much up until you're about I don't know, under 18 is about 5k on the road and then obviously you start opening your eyes to 5k 10k's on the, on the road that sort of thing so I, I was always embedded in track and that was where I started that's where I've always enjoyed I've always loved it I've loved watching it and uh, being part of it just being down at the events so moving up to me was I guess more about finding success it was realizing that uh, I always tried different things so tried the 15 tried the 3k 3k steeple I quite liked that it was a bit of a renegade doing the 3k steeple because it's a bit of a, a different discipline different event <laughs> it's hard it's very hard but it's I, I quite like that so I stuck at that for a long time and then it wasn't until I got to the point of doing more uh, physiological testing that the the idea that I might be suited to longer distances so did VO2 max and submax test, which not recommendable for <laughs> anybody if they think about it. It's, it's quite a painful thing to, to go through and to do, but testing yourself like that, you, you realise that, okay, well, what am I actually optimised for? What could I really, if I want to take this running seriously, those ones and two percents, where can I naturally have those ones and two percents more than others? Uh, I was never going to be a sprinter. I wasn't fast enough not built like that so distance was always the way to go and cardiovascularly I've always had a pretty good engine so it was kind of like well okay you're a strong guy you've got a lot of like strength and power in your legs let's think about the roads tried a half marathon for the first time was lucky enough to get picked for England to do that over in Spain and I fell in love with it just being involved in road running from actually from doing my first 10k on the road I realized that you're part of something bigger when you're on the track. It's it's very enclosed. It's quite gladiatorial. It's kind of mano-a-mano and you're on show. Whereas when you're involved in the, the road races, like we're saying, you can, you're part of thousands of people that are behind you. And not only is that incredibly cool to be at the front, but people are on the sideline cheering you. Of course they're cheering you because you're, I was near the, the sharp end of things, but even if I was going backwards and not feeling great, hadn't had a good run, they were still in sheer amazement of what you were, the pace you were running at or how you were doing. So yeah, it, I guess it was being, getting introduced to road running and you just get hooked. You know, there's something you can't quite, um, I guess, put your finger on, but being involved in those mass participation races, there's nothing quite like it. It's crazy though, when you're sort of talking about, just going back, about doing the tests for it, I guess the, the physical test, but then, we don't always like test the mind i mean i don't know how you would even work that out for a race do you know what i mean because like just the mindset in terms of like how you approach the short races to running the marathon is so much different and obviously the extra time as well considered to, to be thinking yeah. uh, I, I, I say thinking obviously i think when most people are running they're probably just within this sort of flow state they're not really consciously thinking i've got to do this when they're racing I mean, how do you kind of sort of find that difference between, say, you know, running like a 3K or 1500 to a, to a marathon? I think for, for me, it's quite, it's, it's a little bit easier, actually. So with with the shorter distances, you have to be, you have to be on the money quite early. So if you want to run a fast time, because you can't quite claw back time as much, you have to yeah. be shifting quite early on. So you get yourself into the red very quickly and 
physiologically that was one of the things that was a red flag is that once I got to a certain point the lactic just wouldn't clear itself so I kind of ended up getting into a, a bit of a bit of bother and would always find it hard to keep going if I ever went over the red and whereas in the marathon obviously you're you're kind of operating just uh, just above it never really dipping in or you definitely don't want to because you know what's going to happen you're going to really, really hurt um so you, you have to exercise obviously the patience and I think it's that um for me the main thing has been trying to not have my mind wander to the longer distances at least and really trying to stay as present as possible throughout it but yeah the, the difference the main difference is the shorter distances you've got to be focused a lot more beforehand and when it starts you need to be ready to go whereas the the marathon you can or the longer distances at least you can kind of build into it in a sense and that confidence can come with it and yeah you can eat away time in the last five or ten k of a long long distance race compared to the last lap of a a 5k on the track or or 3k on the track yeah that makes a lot of sense like you said you've got to really be on it from the start i mean if you let your competitors go it's it's too hard to claw it back and not saying like you're saying you're not saying this but like for the marathon like it's not the same way you can think i had to switch off but you do have a little bit of grace because you know it's just a different type of race it's still racing but it's a different type of you know racing so i think that's that's kind of cool to to bring that up and I just want to move on to the Olympic marathon trials as well. So that was your first debut marathon. Can you kind of talk about that and just the work that went into it? And can you just tell us a little bit about the race itself? Yeah. So it was it was a biz- it was a bizarre one, just in general as the event. It was really cool to to play a part in it at all. I guess for, for those that are kind of listening and whatnot, the my kind of journey into it was not straightforward at all. There was kind of a lot of ups and downs as to who was going to be on the start line, how it was going to take place, obviously with the restrictions. So unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to, to I guess, be there outright. But I was desperate to be part of the event. So I was entered as a pacemaker to be not only kind of to help some of the guys there, but then also to, I guess, for me at least, continue and carry on. I'd never done a marathon before. I'd been dying to do one since I think I'd entered Manchester the year previous. But obviously everything got changed. And I kind of saw myself this dream that if I was going to finish athletics at least or running, I was going to have run a marathon. So I've always wanted to do one. I always wanted to. And I saw the opportunity. Uh, I'd been fortunate enough to train a couple of times with Ben Connor in the lead up. Obviously didn't have a bad race himself coming second. and getting himself that spot to to the Olympics and I just enjoyed it I just absolutely loved it I didn't think I would as much as as I as I do now uh, it was an eye-opener I had sadly I, I caught Covid over Christmas and at that point I was really I was kind of texting my coach and saying there's no way I'm going to be able to run a marathon in in three months time uh, there's not a chance at all Luckily, I managed to bounce back, obviously, a lot a lot quicker. But I think from that point, it just gave me a different level of approach towards not just running, but specifically the marathon and thinking any step you take that is towards that finish line, like Christmas Day, you felt like a bag of bones. You didn't feel great at all. So just 
take it as that life lesson that you have kind of come through this horrific disease that's obviously it's there's no words to describe what it's doing to the world so I was very thankful I guess and grateful for the opportunity just to be on that start line more than anything I gave my all sadly it didn't quite pay off we got to about 35k and the, the wheels just never fallen off like that before it was I kind of I can only laugh thinking back a bit now and I think other marathon runners that have gone to that place will will think the same that there's no words to quite describe what it what it is um but like we were saying before I learned more from this last three months than my whole running career before that not just about myself but about running in general and what it means to not only be at the top but also to get the most out of yourself, which has been absolutely incredible. It's clearly not a fitness thing because you've been running for years. You've got, you know, the miles on your legs. So what do you think was the case for you when you got to 35K that things kind of went a little bit south for you? Yeah, um, I think a bit of, uh, well, a lot of experience. It's um, Chris Thompson showed on the day that, experience will triumph over over fitness or over tenacity or whatever you want to call it every everyone that was there was in some 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 sort of reasonable shape and no doubt would have pb'd in sessions before in the build-up or hit record weeks whatever it might have been and it was the experience it's the experience i think that you can't quite get and that's why even though it was sadly obviously i didn't complete the 26.2 I would still associate myself now as being a marathon runner because having gone through something like that, it's only something, it's only, I guess, a select few people have you put yourself out there to do. So for me, that experience is invaluable. It was, um, yeah, a, f- a few things I think that I didn't quite get right, just maybe in the approach, the time on feet, obviously having moved up to the longer distances. I've, I've done long runs, but maybe not well, not to the level of, 25 miles 26 miles on a more consistent basis there's i know a lot of people have spoken to me before about there's the last 5k or the last 10k of marathon trying to replicate that in sessions we've done that in the training we've done that as best as we thought we could but there's nothing that could quite i guess really get your body or your mind ready for what it's going to feel like at times and uh yeah it just wasn't quite there I've never I've never stepped off the haven't stepped off the track in many races before that only if something quite has been wrong but yeah going to a different place it's um hard to put words to it as to I guess what you find out about yourself more than anything and you just realize that you you just cannot give any more you know yeah the marathon is a hard one because it throws you into deep water mm-hmm. and it's not like the case that you can most people won't get the you know the opportunity or probably won't do this like run their full marathon pace 26.2 in training mm-hmm. so it's you're definitely in a new place a new experience mm-hmm. and that's obviously quite a challenging thing for 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 most people taking part in the marathon yeah definitely and um i think i, I mean i had some lofty goals within that obviously i wanted to continue the race and not only just post a really good time or post the best time that i could yeah, I think that 
yeah, it's it's not it's not quite until you've been there. It's it's really hard to put the words on it. I think to say how not just how deep you've gone because it's the same for everyone that's been there, but or all the rest of the runners in the race. Um, but for me, I, yeah, I just kind of got to that point of not not being able to. I guess, yeah, just the experience, yeah. just getting there, keeping going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, I respect you for, for doing that as well. What are you going to take forward from like the last marathon to your next marathon in terms of sort of pacing and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think I think it's very individual, it, bizarrely enough, because there's such camaraderie. If you can get yourself into a group, things like that. As I say, as I said kind of earlier, I wear my heart on the sleeve and the next marathon, I will, I will attack it again and, and really try and go as hard as I can. My, my goal is to try and run the uh, the Commonwealth Games standard, which is 214, which which is a big ask. It's, it's something new. It's a new realm to go to. But I don't think until you put yourself out there that you can really know what's possible. And for the most part, I think I got up to about 30K or maybe 32K or so. I was on relative pace for that, I think. Might have been slightly off, but you kind of think, okay, well, you've got to this pace, you've got to this level running at this pace and things weren't quite there maybe you needed to do a bit more strength work maybe a little bit more longer runs what would happen like how much further would you get with adding those ones and twos and i think just the belief you know like you need to go into any sort of race believing that, that it is possible and i now know having got to where i got to in the marathon that okay i've ticked that box i can do that again now what do i need to do moving forward it's going to be giving that bit more not in sessions not just in sessions sorry but in in wider life so maybe well now we can do a few more things i'm hoping that i can probably go and get myself a massage a couple of times in the build-up that sort of thing maybe take a bit more focus on stretching the gyms hopefully will, will remain open it's it's little things like that so yeah i don't think it's necessarily about jumping straight into let's run harder let's run more it's thinking well okay what else could i change you know could it be footwear could it be clothing could it be anything else in between well i think it's really cool though like you like we listening to reflect on it in terms of just it sounds like a learning experience as opposed to ah this went wrong type thing it was just like okay let's just work on this and i think that's the that's the cool thing to to hear and i've like no doubt that you will smash that that achievement mate because like based on stuff you've done and just your mindset you know i think you'll, you'll get there quicker so looking forward to to seeing you to do that and and obviously when you do it, i'm just going to claim that this pep talk was the uh, the catalyst <laughs> yeah no definitely <laughs> by your by your hard work nothing nothing to do with that at all <laughs> anyhow man I, i'm mindful that i put like a number of questions your way but it's obviously mm-hmm. like a two-way conversation so is there anything that's happening in your kind of running that you wish that I would have asked you or wanted to speak about instead rather yeah. than the, the stuff about the marathon or anything else? I think moving forward, I'd like to do a bit more giving back to the sport. If anyone's got any kind of ways in which you think is great to give back to the sport, obviously, I guess coaching, officiating, that sort of thing is some of the big ones. But yeah, no, I, th- I think we've kind of gone over most of the stuff. What about, what about you? What's your next? What's your next goal? So the main thing is... It's just the marathon, really, as the the Instagram name, the marathon markers. For, for me, that's the kind of the beast that's kind of been pulling me back. And my first London was four fifty five, and got sub three last year. And 
got so under good for age but yeah the, the goal is to you know i'd love to start stand at the start line of the championship you know uh, pen and just be like look i'm here from 455 and i've got my place here so that is my goal and yeah london is this year so i'm, I'm going to work towards it if it happens great if it doesn't happen also great because i know that i'm one step closer to to get it the next time so that's my my goal like it London's the one that I'm hoping to try and um, get into as well. So hopefully I'll see you there. Yeah, awesome, mate. We'll definitely have to catch up anyways. Are there any guests that you would love to have on the podcast that you want me to interview? Oh, I think Luke would be a great person to speak to. He's got so much knowledge. Yeah, he would definitely be a good one. Who else? What would you ask him if you were interviewing him? What would I ask him? Oh, great question. (laughs) I think uh, he, the roles that he's done, so he's um, did a bit, bit of background into to Luke, my coach. He's been to the Commonwealth Games th- three times, I believe. All in the steeplechase, he's been incredibly close to making Olympics and World Championships, competed for GB in England a bunch of times. So what he would be, I guess, and, and what he does now, sorry, with University of Birmingham, is he works a lot with students. So... Some of the incredible knowledge that he has is, is a lot on development of athletes, both as athletes and as individuals. I don't think there's anybody perhaps better placed than, than himself working in university to see what he's done with some of these incredibly young, talented athletes that have either continued through the university system and gone on to incredible things, or that have just decided that life takes another direction and have gone somewhere else. And I guess... If you're talking to talking about a coach, that's event, that's ultimately what you want is you want someone that not only has your best interests for the sport, but also has your best interests or has an awareness of what's going on around that and has the ability and the is, is removed enough to be able to say, like, look, let's let's think about something else here, or how can we do something different that you can still get the same achievements and the same goals out of it, maybe not in the way that you first thought was possible. He certainly done that with myself. I thought I was going to be a, a track runner all my life and that was where I was headed. And now I find myself looking at the start line of a marathon with eager anticipation, thinking that, yeah, let's go and do it. So it's definitely a wordsmith and he's twisted my arm into that. But it's it's not about twisting your arm. He's, um, it's been about development, I think, forethought, thinking ahead. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we said before, really. Like, obviously, he's got the practical side in terms of understanding the training and all that kind of stuff. But obviously the the mental side the you know the mm-hmm. life of an athlete which he ha- which he has so it's easier for him to communicate because he knows what you're going through as well or gone through and that kind of thing so it's just understanding the mindset to kind of get you to work at your best and i think that is like such a big part of coaching really it's not it's just about giving someone a plan the thing i want to ask as well yeah. i've got a question about what is like a non-negotiable habit that you know is important to your life but I, i'm mindful as well in running, there's lots of non-negotiables. Do you know what I mean? So can you pick anything specifically for you that kind of stands out? I think, I think, well, big things for me that, that I guess I live my life off is, is fun and enjoyment. I'm not a, I'm not an incredibly serious person. Not, not all of the time, at least. Obviously, there are times when you need to be, but I try and have as much fun in life as possible. So always I like to be surrounded or I like to do things that instill a bit of fire in you and scare you but ultimately they are 
fun, you know. I was travelling with work this week and went on a route that had been suggested to me. It wasn't around where I live. It was um, it was a way. So I'd been suggested route by somebody. Went and followed it. My phone, well, just having to kind of track myself through the phone on the way. Not sure where I was going. Not sure what was happening. Got myself lost a few times. But at the same time, it was just kind of that enjoyment and excitement. The sun was shining. I was out doing what I love. And... Yeah, it was it was it was just fun. It was it was different, and it was free more than anything. I think to be fun and free um, is incredibly important, and that's kind of how I guess I try and live and run by. An awesome way to conclude, mate. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. And where can people follow your journey online? Online, uh, best place is Instagram. It's DG Musson, which is quite a bizarre, bizarre surname, but yeah, just type in Dougie Musson, and you you'll find me. Uh, or on Strava. Awesome. Dougie, it's been great talking to you. Thank you for being a guest on A Runner's Life, mate. Thank you. No, well, thank you for having me. And uh, I look forward to being on the start line with you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and you want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. If you want to get updates on the podcast or you want to see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon markers. Your time is valuable. So thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a runner's life podcast.